Welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco, your personal financial quarterback. Whether you've had years of success in your business or are just starting out, DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family and guide you toward the fulfillment of that goal. As they say, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your virtual family office. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco. Today, we're starting a three-part series, and that is going to be all about lessons from our virtual office. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. You and I were talking before the podcast uh, about a lot of different things, but uh, we, again, we're still in this COVID era. We're still in this you know lockdown era kind of thing. Uh, in different parts of the country, we're doing different things. And so it's not one set set of rules for the entire nation, which is always interesting when when things are (laughs) split up like that. But the thing is, is that a lot of companies are working virtually now. My wife is working from home, uh, Boys Town, where she works. There's a lot of of offices that are just sitting empty right now. I've got another gentleman that I spoke to. He, He works across the street from JP Morgan, which is the second largest building in the United States housing one company. Uh, right. they, I think they have like 13,000 employees. That's been virtually empty since mid-February. So wow. there's a lot out there that is going to be changing. And you, sir, have been working virtually for many, many years. And yeah, uh, I know that this is going to yeah, this is going to be a great series because where a lot of people, a lot of companies have been doing this trial by fire, like it was a necessity they had to. And so they've learned a lot of different little lessons the hard way. You're going to be imparting a lot of these lessons that you've learned over the last six and a half years that that you have been able to incorporate into your business. You've learned from positive things. You've learned from negative things. And <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to, to hear your story about this. Uh, thanks. You know, it's uh, it's funny. They, um, I, I, they, you know, you've heard this, uh, the saying that experience is the best teacher, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's actually incorrect. It's other people's <laughs> experience is the best teacher. There you go. <laughs> experience can be the most expensive teacher. <laughs> True. Yes. I agree with that 100%. So, I have and I have a peer group and they kind of laugh because they, they they call me this pioneer and I always tell them I say, "Well, you know, the pioneers were also the ones that took all the arrows." Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought of it that way. That's very true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so I've taken a bunch of the arrows and, you know, especially in my industry, because, uh, you know, the financial service industry, it's operates under a very traditional framework and it's um, very slow to adapting to change. So when I kind of came up with this idea of uh, this virtual concept, uh, I really had to look to maneuver to say, how can I work within the parameters? Because mm-hmm. we're very compliance um, uh, driven, very much, you know, about FaceTime with the clients. How do mm-hmm. we navigate through that? So what I thought I'd do is I just saw, share a little bit of the story on how I got, um, you know, how, how this kind of evolved into a virtual practice. Yeah, Absolutely. Basically, you know, and I, like I said, I've, I've told this before, I've been in the financial services industry for the last oh, 15, almost what's well, going to in November will be 16 years. And I was building a successful practice, yet I was not 
fulfilled in it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to really work with my clients at a deeper level, yet I felt constrained because of, you know, firm requirements. They were looking for me to just drive revenue. So I didn't always feel like I could do what was in the client's best interest. I also looked at my kids were getting older, graduating from school, starting to move away. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have some flexibility because I figured they're probably not going to live here. They may be all over the country. And, you know, I want to be able to see my kids and my grandkids and yeah. that type of lifestyle. But I think the big kicker was when I met my coach, he posed a question to me that really resonated to me. And he said, if retirement was not an option, how would your life and business be different? And that really kind of struck me because again, like I said, I was getting older. I wanted, you know, I, I had a certain way I wanted to work with my clients that I didn't feel I could do in the environment that I was in. I had clients that were starting to kind of spread out all over the country. How was I going to navigate that? So what I started doing is I started investigating my options, what were um, available out there. Mm -hmm. I looked at other industries that were utilizing virtual strategies. I mean, probably the first one was my coach, who's been coaching financial advisors for 25 years and basically works out of his house. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I talked with him. I talked with some of my peers that were doing, uh, incorporating some virtual systems. And so I started to kind of build this practice. And so what I wanted to do was really just kind of build a practice that would allow me to help my clients achieve what, what they want in their ultimate life and business, to provide them the service in, in the most cost-effective way. And then I also wanted to have the freedom and flexibility to do the things I wanted to do while still being able to serve my clients. Yeah, Matt, here's the thing. This It kind of makes me chuckle because there are some people that would, would say, look, you know, you, you've got to have an office. You know, working virtually, clients just don't like that, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I'm sorry, here's the thing. Almost every one of those advisors that would say that I guarantee they're licensed in more than one state, right? Correct. They're licensed in 30 states, maybe 40 states, maybe only 10 or 15 states. But here's the thing is that anybody outside of your own state, unless you live right on the border between two states, mm -hmm. pretty much anybody that's going to be in another state, they're not going to be traveling to your office to meet with you. And you're not going to be traveling to them every six months or you know, any time that you guys need to meet. And it just kind of cracks me up because these advisors are all working virtually. They just don't understand that they're working virtually because they still have the office and they, they still do certain things that are kind of set in their brain, but they work virtually with all the clients that aren't in their local area. <laughs> so correct. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's funny because they just don't understand. I think a lot of people would look at you and go, wow, that's, that's, that's really interesting that you do that. But yet they do parts of it, right? Just little tiny pieces of it, just not to the extent of what you've done it and certainly not what you've built uh, with your entire practice. But working virtually has been something that people have been doing for, you know, a couple decades now and they just exactly. don't understand it and they don't, they haven't adapted their entire business model to it, which I know you have, which again, right. we're going to get into more, but yeah, it, it just, it just cracks me up because they just don't get it. Well, exactly. And I think, again, we get stuck in our own mindsets and our own way of our own paradigms, how yes. we view the world. And, you know, like I said, the financial service industry is one that's very slow to adapt to change. And I remember one of the first things that I adapted and I was still working for one of the major wirehouses was um, a you know, work at home on Fridays. 
mm-hmm. and it was something my coach suggested just to get myself outside in my uh, my environment and to allow me to kind of get not be distracted and think in a broader way that a lot of times we can't do in the office and i remember when i started doing this my branch manager had a fit about it he would call me five times that day what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing because he was so locked in with i need yeah. to always be keeping an eye on these people and I, i'm and i'm like i'm doing this i'm you know i would tell him what i'm doing and i would actually get more done working from home that day because i didn't have the phone ringing i didn't have uh you know co-workers coming up wanting to chit chat you know mm-hmm. water cooler talk those type of things but it was funny how it just it, he just had a hard time you know understanding the benefits of this and so you know it'd be interesting now six and a half years later with covid what he would think about it now because most of them had to work from home or do rotations within the office mm-hmm. And I kind of laugh because I have some of my peers who still were like insisting on going into their offices. And I'm, I'm thinking, why? If you can do all your stuff at home, why do you even want that overhead? Yeah. So, you know, that's, I think that's, we got to get out of our own ways in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there, you, you touched on it, there was that lack of trust. And I think a lot of managers, they, they don't manage well. Sorry. I mean, that, right. that's all there is to it. And, and I've seen it time and time again with the companies that I've worked in that you have managers that, what do you call them? Micromanagers or whatever. They just don't feel like they're doing their job unless they can see you and, and make sure you're doing your job. And that's, there's, there's a different way to manage people, you know, and, and, it, and it, I think first step is trust. Exactly. Exactly. It's trust. And it's also about develop, developing a culture within yes. your business to let people become their best version of themselves. Yep. And uh, it's again, it's about providing leadership, not management, but leadership. And I think when you do that, you start to empower people, you're going to find that by giving them some more flexibility, you know, maybe the ability to work flex time or work from home all the time. And, you know, every business is going to be a little different, but mm-hmm. having that is going to free them mentally. And if you've empowered them and not always looking over their shoulder, you might find that they actually w- work better in that type of environment than they do sitting in your workplace. Yes, absolutely. My wife is a perfect example. Same exact thing that you said. She gets more done. Uh, every day because of the fact that she doesn't have people just popping by her office to either chit chat or to do all their problem solving for them. I mean, that that's one of the things that she was known for. If, if you have any issues with computers, with anything, with any, you know, anything that you're doing, go to candy, you know, and, and she can, she can right. fix anything, which is great, which she could. However, she had so much work to do. She was, you know, pretty stressed out because it takes a lot of your time and it's not that we don't want to build relationships with people or help other people, right. but there is, there is a line in the sand. If, if you're bored and you leave your office and start going and chit chat with other people, <laughs> that, yeah. that's where my wife is like, look, if you're bored, go find something to do. Don't come sit in my office and talk to me for 45 minutes. Cause she'd keep working, but it's, it's still distracting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's it, it's funny. I uh, my uh, my coach Joe Lucas always says, you know, it's, it, in in our industry, and I think this is for any business owner. No, none of us get paid by the hour. Correct. But yet we feel like we have to be sitting at our desks. That's that's working. Mm-hmm. I, I I had a I remember this was again back when I was working for a firm, and um, 
you know, my branch manager used to always brag, I'm always the last one to leave. And it would always be this competition. I mean, early on in the business, I, you know, I was cold calling. I was doing whatever I could to try to, you know, build my book of business. And I'd be in the office till 9, 10 o'clock at night. And he would always be calling me to see if I was still at the office because he, he wanted to be the last one to leave. And I remember one time, it was on a Friday, and uh, I was like, I was done with everything. I wanted to leave. And he called me back to his office, and he just was like chit-chatting. And I'm like, you know, I want to go home. I want to get home. I want to see my family. And I finally just happened to glance, and I saw his computer monitor, and he was looking at BMWs. (laughs) And it dawned on me that he was equating sitting at his desk with work. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? My time's too valuable. And so what I started doing is I started developing these daily task lists. And these are the things that I need to accomplish for the day. And I would check them off. And if I was done at three o'clock, I packed up my stuff and I left. Mm -hmm. You know, now if I wasn't done with it, you know, and it was five o'clock, I was going to stay until the daily task list was done. But, you know, I understood that I wasn't getting paid by the hour. I was getting paid for the performance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've got to get out of that mindset too, that just sitting at our desk doesn't mean that we're actually working. Yeah. So this three-part series that we're diving into, yes. what are we going to be focusing on in these next three podcasts? Well, you know, as I started to look at what are some of the lessons that I could provide, I think there's basically three uh, benefits to being able to operate in some fashion a virtual office. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is to reduce overhead. Uh, the second one is to give yourself more flexibility in your business. And the third one, which is my favorite, is to create more freedom for yourself. So what we'll be doing is um, we'll be covering each one of those in, in one of the parts here. So today is about uh, benefit number one, which is about reducing your overhead and creating less overhead for yourself. All right. Great. So I think there's really kind of two areas that we can look at as far as with the overhead. The first one is our employees and our staff. And, and I think the biggest challenge that, um, that business owners face with this is that, you know, employees and staff is the highest cost center for business owners mm-hmm. between salaries, benefits, workman's comp, you know, insurances, everything like that. Uh, it, it, is a tremendous cost to them. The second thing is that there's human resource challenges that, you know, there's compliance things that they have to do to ensure, you know, uh, you know, I have clients that have mechanical shops or collision shops and actually collision shops are kind of becoming <laughs> somewhat of a focus for me, but they have to deal with OSHA practices, those type of things. Mm-hmm. So it creates a, which all of this adds up into additional cost to the business owner. So some of the solutions that they can look at, and again, these are all going to be, I think in some ways they can be adaptable for every business, some more than others. But I think the first one is to look at certain areas within your organization and say, do we need somebody on site or can we hire somebody that's virtual to be able to uh, do this job? So some of the areas that I think that you can look at virtual assistance is in marketing, uh, web website design, operations, um, even to some extent, human resources, because a lot of small businesses don't even have a human resource department, Mm -hmm. but they can outsource this virtually. Uh, If there's, if compliance is an issue, these are all areas where they can, you can hire some of the best of the best out there, have them work virtually. 
And you also, because they're doing it virtually, you don't have them on staff. So they're basically like a 1099 contractor. You pay them for the hours that they work. So to give you an example, like, you know, in my industry, we have um, sales assistants. Mm-hmm. And when I was working for the firm, I had one assistant that was basically covering three of us. And there were times when I would have work for her to do and I, you know, I'd say, hey, I need you to, uh, uh, you know, put together this application. And she would just look at me. She goes, okay, just put it on the stack. But then there were other times where I'd go over and, and she'd be on Facebook, not because she's wasting time. She just didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. And so, but now with a virtual, uh, virtual sales assistant, she logs the time that she actually works. So I'm only paying her for that time and not for, you know, the times where I just don't have a ton of work for, for her to do. Yeah. Got it. So I think also you can find some of the best of the best in areas uh, of a specific need. So maybe you're redoing your website and you need some copywriting. Well, you can go to uh, to Upwork, to Fiverr, and find great people that are very inexpensive, and you know get people that that are some of the best at doing those things. You know, there's more and more uh, people that have gotten out of the traditional marketplace and they have skills and they're going on to these. Um, uh, services like Fiverr and Upwork and offering their services to people. And because again, they have reduced overhead, they can offer them at a very reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the benefits I think to this is again, you can reduce some of your full-time staff and costs in areas where maybe it's not necessarily needed. Again, I think sometimes we have um, people in place just because that's the way we've always done stuff. And, and um and I think you could either do it virtually or maybe even have that person work as a, as a virtual assistant, give them the ability to have some flex time that, you know, that, that knows the business is already there. So there's some ways you can kind of restructure that that can help to reduce, you know, reduce your overall costs. And again, you, pay, you start paying them for the time actually worked, not for just sitting at their desk. <laughs> Yeah. The, the thing that's interesting is that we've had a concept like this for a very long time in across many industries and that those are temp agencies, right? We exactly. have, now I, I worked as a temp a long time ago when, I mean, a really long time ago, but right. uh, I, I was basically loaned out to different companies. I, I was a temp for a moving company a, a few times. I was a temp for a, a manufacturing company for a while. And it was basically the company paying a very large cost for me to get my hourly wage. They paid a lot extra to the temp agency, but that doesn't work like that anymore, really, when you talk about virtual stuff. So exactly. these people, like you mentioned Fiverr, that's a fantastic, uh, and Upwork, they're both fantastic sites to get people, and the money really truly does go to them, and your overhead, you're, you're not paying an, a temp agency a ton of extra money. Uh, like, like it has been in the past. This is right. more of the salary goes directly to the person. That's why so many people are flocking to those types of, uh, companies to be able to do that, that piecemeal work, if you will. And, and we've used them many, many times. I've used them, uh, Fiverr on many occasions, and it's always turned out really, really well because you have a lot of control with that and you right. get the quality that you're looking for. I mean, you have so many choices on there. If, if people oh, haven't, exactly. listeners haven't seen it yet, go there and just surf because it's so interesting what people are doing, uh, out there virtually for their own income. And they're, they're supplying these needs that are, that are fantastic. 
Oh, exactly. I mean, just to give a great example, um, if you go to my website, I have an introductory video that was on there. And at the time, you know, I was, I'm, and I still do this, I was shooting a lot of videos. And then I was getting into iMovie and I was like, you know, editing them and trying to clean them up. And it was just, it was so time consuming. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't do this, sustain this. So I went to Fiverr and I found um, this uh, video editor uh, on there. And you know, said, hey, here's my project. Here's what I want to do. He came back. He said, oh, yeah, I can do that for 25 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what am I going to get with this? Yeah. He brought back the product, and it was, I mean, he cle he put music behind it, intros, extras, um, cleaned up the audio, um, you know, put my logos on there. It was, I mean, it was wonderful. And it was just a video I shot on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. But for twenty five dollars, I, I couldn't beat that. And exactly, that's the type of things you can find, the type of people that you can find on some of these uh, sites like Upwork and Fiverr. And, and here's the, the last piece I'll say about that is, you need to think of every one of those people on those sites as small business owners, right? Exactly. Because that's that's truly what they are. They have their own little small business or side gigs that they're doing to make extra money, or maybe that's their entire living. But that is a small business that I feel very comfortable supporting. I'm very happy to do that. Exactly, exactly. You know, one of the fears out there, and this just kind of popped into my head as you were talking, that um, that people have is that, well, if I start outsourcing this stuff, I'm going to eliminate a job for somebody else, or I'm going to eliminate their job. You know, I remember this was years and years ago listening to a, a, a podcast from a, a, an economist, uh, Paul Zane Pilsner. He talked about this idea of limited resources and how it was a fallacy. And he said, you know, when we eliminate a job, what that actually does is frees up that person to learn a new skill or to maybe adapt it in mm -hmm. a new way, which actually creates more prosperity for themselves. Yeah, promotes growth. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a lot of people that are working jobs that are, are unhappy. And if, uh, you know, if you, if they can be taught how to take one of their talents or interests and create a business out of that, they would be indebted. And so that's, that's one of the things that we try to do. And I think the beauty of it is, and I do this with a lot of my clients too, as we start doing some retirement planning is, you know, they might say, well, you know, I don't know if I just want to completely retire. Well, great. Like I have one client, I was just talking to him about this. He's a, a controller uh, for the uh, local newspaper and we mm -hmm. know what's happening with newspapers. Yeah. And he's scared about, you know, is my job going to be eliminated before I'm ready to retire? I said, you have this bookkeeping. So do you know many, how many small businesses need to outsource bookkeeping? They're either not good at it or, you know, they're just, it's, it's getting to be too much for them. Yeah, it just takes where so much time. You could do this as part of, uh, you know, through Upwork, Fiverr, offer your services to these business owners. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's how I implemented it, you know, outsourcing projects. I started out, I, I, I hired a virtual assistant who was kind of doing everything. And then as we started to get comfortable with that, you know, marketing, I started outsourcing that. And I actually even, I'm starting to break that down. So I have certain people that do my website. I've got certain people that do my social media. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually going to the next step where I'm looking for people that'll help me to break down even content on the social media to be able to uh, make it more effective from a um, marketing and search and or edge and optimization level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, compliance. So this is how I implemented these type of things in my practice. All right. What, what else do we need to cover? So 
Uh, I think the second area, as far as those, is this idea of brick and mortar. And you touched on it, Eric, when oh, you yeah. talked about the J.P. Morgan building being empty. And think about, you know, having a space, brick and mortar space. If you own it, you always have taxes. You got utilities. You got maintenance. Um, if you know, again, if you're if you're renting it, you still got your lease payments. And then if you're the type of business that has to carry inventory, there's cost to that inventory. And mm -hmm. the bigger your space, the more inventory you've got to keep in it to just keep it filled. Yeah, yeah, that's it's yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's exactly. a lot of expense. That's exactly right. And what I think is interesting now is because people have not been able to work in offices and businesses are starting to see, hey, we can work virtually. Maybe they don't need as much space, if any. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in a retail outlet might need some type of space, but we can reduce that down allow you know employees working virtually uh that'll reduce down office space so now they can reduce uh their rent payments or you know if if they move to a smaller building and they own it less in taxes less you know air condition to light mm -hmm. you know less the building to maintain all of those things if they're the type of business that carries inventory they can now look and say, what are our best sellers? Maybe we just keep that in inventory. And they can also implement other, um, you know, technologies, you know, whether it's, you know, selling through Amazon, eBay, those type of things mm -hmm. to be able to offer a broad range of products, but only keep on site, maybe their best sellers so that they don't have the inventory cost. Cause anybody who carries inventory knows it's about turning the inventory. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, how I implemented, you know, when I, when I first started, I was kind of looking at, you know, should I get office space? You know, and again, I was kind of stuck in the, th in this thinking and I went, you know what, I'm going to just start work from home for now and see how things evolve. Well, here I am six and a half years later and you know what, I'm still work. I still work from my home. I have the convenience of that. You know, my biggest challenge is keeping myself from working all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is a challenge. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I've eliminated rent and, and taxes. Um, and because, you know, I can I can share uh, information and plans electronically, I eliminate a lot of paper waste. Um, so, you know, there's ways to make this happen. And I remember one of my clients telling me, uh, and this guy owned an optical business. And he said to me, we were talking about what I was doing. And he looked at me and I was kind of thought I was going to get pushback at first. And he was like, you know, that's really smart. I wish I could do that instead of having this building and all of these, you know, glasses and inventory and, and, you know, just all the overhead that I have. Mm -hmm. So I think business owners start to understand that, hey, maybe we can refine things and utilize some of this technology to actually reduce our costs, which it put more money in our pocket or can also maybe allow the customer to get better value. Yes. Yeah. And, and, Again, there's so many different things that companies can be more competitive. Okay. And, and I'll just yes. say it because using JP Morgan as, as, as an example, again, their building, I think is 2.1 million square feet. And then you look at 13,000 employees. Okay. Now look at parking for 13,000 employees and their parking right. lots are at least 2.5 million square feet, probably upwards of 3 million square feet because of all the in, in roads and outroads to those parking places. I mean, that is a ton of space. And so uh, the, the gentleman that I was talking about, he did some calculations and he truly believes that to run that building, it costs them around a little over $20,000 per employee just to 
run and maintain the building, all the taxes, all the things that you already listed. Uh, yeah. that, that's a huge expense. So if they mm-hmm. could eliminate a lot of those expenses, they could be more competitive when it comes to salaries, right? Exactly. They, they could pay employees more, meaning hopefully you're getting better employees, so on and so forth, which are going to be more productive. Uh, you know, right. you get the cream of the crop when you can offer a higher salary and you can offer higher salaries if you don't have the overhead of the buildings and, and all the other things that go with it. So there's so many different things to consider in this situation. And I know that a lot of companies being forced to do it now are, yep. are reconsidering what they're going to be doing. And, the, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next six months to a year. Oh, it, it, definitely. Definitely. You know, I remember, um, you know, traditionally in the financial service uh, industry, you know, especially with the larger firms, you know, the payouts were usually anywhere between like 25. And, you know, if you were a top, top producer, you might be at 50%. And they were always, you know, they, the justification they would always give you was that, you know, oh, well, we're paying for your assistant, we're, you've got your office, mm-hmm, we're paying for mm-hmm. all this stuff. When I started investigating, starting my own practice, I was really kind of amazed that, you know, hey, I can do this cheaper and I can do that cheaper. And I increased my margins by huge numbers, which actually offered, allowed me to offer my services at a much more competitive rate. So exactly. yeah. I... I mean, I have clients who, you know, or prospects will come in and maybe they're with one of the big firms. And I'll, I'll, one of the things I do is a fee analysis and I'll say, you're paying for this. You know, what are you getting for this? Mm-hmm. All right. They might be paying one and a half percent on their assets. And I'm saying, I'm doing this for a flat fee, which actually is, is half from a, from a percentage of, 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 of a percentage of their investable assets is about half of that. And, with that, you're getting this and this and this and this. And mm-hmm. they look at me and I said, well, how can you do that? I said, because I don't have the mono- mahogany office. Yeah. I said, if you want me to have it, I'll do it, but I'm gonna have to charge you more for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Eric, I, I want to wrap this up today because I know we're getting a little mm-hmm. long on time, but in the next parts, I've got two of the other benefits that we'll be covering. So those will be coming in coming episodes. The one thing I do want to... Um, reiterate to people or let them know is if you go to my website defranvfo.com it's d-i-f-r-a-n-v is in victor f is in franco o is in octopus.com download my white paper the top five things to consider for a more prosperous business and a less stressful life and review the first consideration where i talk about formulating a vision for what you want your life and business to look like and I think when you start to look at that and start to analyze, you may say there are some things that we may be able to do differently. And from there, I would say schedule a private consultation strategy session. It's free of charge. Uh, you can go right on my website up at the top corner. It says uh, schedule an introductory call where we can talk about your situation and see how I might be able to help you with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And again, it's free. And I appreciate you offering that to the entire audience. And uh, I look forward to that second podcast. No problem. No problem. It's going to be fun. So, you know, I think we kind of build on each one as we go. Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much for your time today. And I want to thank you, the listening audience, for listening to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Matt comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, doing business as DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office, is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training.